here we are at the real dirt. And today at the real dirt, I have some people from one of the my favorite place in the world, Trinity County, California. Man, Trinity and Humboldt and along the border there is, is one of the most beautiful and rugged places in the world. And I have Judy Nelson and Walter Wood of Soul Spirit Farms and Retreats. Say hey, Judy and Walter. Hello. Hey, Chip. Oh, man, I just love that whole area you guys are in. Outside Willow Creek, you know, all the way to Hayfort. I've got some, you know, really great friends over there. Little Hill Farms is over there. And, man, you guys are just in paradise. Definitely, definitely. We love it. We have been out there for about 20 years now, and uh, I don't know, we hardly leave. <laughs> it's home. <laughs> it's a magic place. So are, are you guys on the, the, the mountain or the river? We're uh, about 300 feet up from the river floor, so we're just out of the river fog, but uh, at the same time, we're not up on the hilltop, uh, so it's it's a nice, nice kind of in-between. We're in the valley, but we get about 12 hours of sun, so it just works out perfect. Oh man, sounds it sounds beautiful. Yeah, that that river fog can plague you. I lived over in uh, off the the Van Dusen for a number of years. Man, the fog just creep right in on you. I had no idea how bad it was until one day we just took a little drone up and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. We'd been in the sun for hours and uh, the whole valley was fogged in just, just below our shelf. <laughs> oh, yeah, There's places like that all over. You know, I lived in up in uh, Neeland right outside Arcata for a number of years. And we were at the, like the 3,500 block, which is 3.5 miles up that hill. And if you went just a half a mile further, you got out of the fog almost every single day, like hours before, you know, we got out of the fog. Luckily, uh, we were living in the area for a few years before we bought the property. And uh, we had a pretty good idea what to look yeah. for. A permaculture course really helped nail in what, what exactly makes a good piece of property for uh homesteading and uh, growing some fine medicines well man you guys are in the homesteading capital of the world that's for sure and you mentioned permaculture and you know we talked about regenerative farming earlier you guys have a, a unique cannabis business you know many people just have a they cultivate or they extract or they're packaging something but you have this cultivation that you integrate with a farm stay tell me how that works well, so we have been uh, inviting guests up to the farm because as legalization and recreational hit in California, we started going to a bunch of different trade shows. And it was kind of amazing to meet people who are in the cannabis industry who have never seen a cannabis plant growing in the ground. And it really surprised me because obviously we've been sort of up in our little bubble here for the past 20 years. and. I just didn't realize it. And so we just really wanted to be able to bring people like that up and be like, hey, check this out. This is this way that this can be done that's not taking a lot of resources. We're actually trying to make our, our piece of property and the land that we're working with, you know, in a better state than when we found it. And in order to do that, we have some bell tents, which are these beautiful canvas tents and people come up and they generally spend two nights in the tents and um, we raise uh, pigs and chickens on the farm as well as vegetables and fruit. And so we're able to do farm the table 
meals and then Walter takes him on a really nice farm tour and shows him all the different techniques that we're using and we usually take them uh, rafting on the Trinity or on the South Fork depending on what time of year it is and it's just been really great because I think two people are suffering nature deficit nature connection deficit it's a really rejuvenating experience I think for people especially if they're coming from a city to come up and just chill out smoke some good medicine and you know connect with nature and it's been really rewarding for for us too and and hopefully for them that sounds so fun but you guys don't have a, a normal cultivation or I shouldn't say a normal but it should be normal but you guys use permaculture and regenerative farming techniques. You know, many people have heard organic or, or maybe living soil, and, and those are kind of part of regenerative farming and permaculture. But, and I, I know it's a huge question to ask, but man, can you like tell me how it applies to cannabis? Well, we're working on a whole bunch of different angles. And, uh, you know, we did this, uh, we have transitioned substantially in the last few years. We were doing the full season plants up until almost legalization and we switched over to the light depth. And so we're, we're getting all that worked out. And uh, so we've now got about six and a half thousand square feet of yeah living soil beds, which to us, that means we don't till them. We don't broad fork them or anything. We did originally broad fork them to uh, just loosen them up a little bit, but not to actually turn the soil. There's a living clover cover crop growing uh, year round. It, it's a little bit died back right now because of the, they were so shaded out by the ladies in the first round. We just replaced the spot where the, the plant itself was potted in or, you know, the pot went in into the ground. And so the rest of it's all connected, all natural, all living. Tilling uh, really disrupts the biology of the soil and releases a lot of CO2 into the air. With this, the uh, clover cover crop, we didn't have to import any nitrogen this year. All we've been feeding has been compost teas. Most of that's made with on-site compost. We've been doing the various uh, KNF type things, which we are importing some sugar to make our nutrients. So that's just about it. It's all a natural farming, just trying to, to make as many nutrients as we can at home to import oh, yes. as little as possible and just build that soil. When you say beds, describe what your beds look like. Well, so, I mean, we are on a little bit of a slope. It's pretty mellow, but it does slope. So we went across that hillside, May took a, and when we broad forked it and all that out, we leveled out a six foot bed going across the hillside. It's tied right into the soil. There's no, no cage around it or anything like that. It's just directly in the earth. And then uh, we're going to be putting up some wood edges on the, on the downhill side to uh, just help retain that edge. It's uh, grown right in the earth. It, uh, it's super important to me. It just uh, We don't have to feed as much, and the plants have access to what they want. They can make choices, and they're not stuck in a little tiny soil spot. They have access to the, the whole area. What did you have to do to your, your soil to prep it? What did you add to it at the beginning, and what are kind of the things that you add to it now? Well, so this year, like I said, we actually we did not – add anything besides we cover cropped and then we also did bring in forest duff from the hillside up above of the uh, patch and so we brought in a couple inches of you know the leaf litter and stuff that's just starting to break down a little bit so that brought in our 
indigenous microorganisms or IMOs as they're known sometimes. So we covered the beds with a six inch layer of that, which completely covered that clover for a little bit. Then that cover crop burst right back through that and basically just incorporated all that leaf matter right away. And so previously when we first did prep those beds, we did bring in some manure. I think that was about it. I'm so scared to bring in even from outside anything because our tests, our our flowers tested to the uh, parts per billion on these uh, pesticides. And what if I'm bringing in uh, some straw or something and it, it, it were to have something. So so we avoid bringing in anything. Uh, we, we like to keep everything from on site. That way we know it's clean. These aren't like beds that normal people think of that have wooden sides. They're areas that you've built in the soil, grown in and added your own ingredients, local ingredients. Exactly, exactly. When you talk to people about uh, cannabis techniques and grow techniques, you know, a bed means so much different, so many different things, you know, right. uh, in, the, in, the in, in the indoor world, it can mean something It's totally different than, than, than the outdoor world. We are directly in the ground for sure. <laughs> You're directly in the ground and you, you say you do light depth. Is it under plastic or is it under natural sunlight during the day? So, yeah, we do not have the clear covers on the greenhouses, so they they are open to the natural sunlight. It makes it simpler. Uh, we don't need as many fans, things like that, because it is open. And then, yeah, we, we roll down some tarps over it at night, give us the 12-hour cycle. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I'm just env- I'm envisioning your garden here as uh, we're, we're talking about it. I mean, I've, I've been in quite a few humble and... Trinity Gardens on on the hillside. I feel like I know. I feel like I've been to your place before. One thing that's a little unusual is each bed is on its own, uh, you know, a foot higher than the next because it's sloping down the hillside. So then the bottom of the greenhouse has just some leg extensions to level it out. And so once again, just trying to simplify, keep things as minimal and environmentally friendly as possible. That's the name of the game. And, you know, the interesting thing about everything we're talking about is there's no cost in doing this. Like you, you, you virtually have, I mean, you have very low input costs. Yeah. Compared, especially uh, comparing it to an indoor scene, it is, you know, very drastically reduced. Uh, We do only two runs a year. So we have very little lighting, very little inputs in that way. The light depth uh, is significantly more labor, I find, than, uh, than the full season was. And, you know, just pruning up all these plants and, and uh, you know, anything when you multiply it by 1,800 or, or 2,400 plant run, uh, all of a sudden, like, just a few seconds here and there adds up. There is an increased labor cost. You know, you're just trading going out into the forest and having to collect these inputs, that's a labor cost, right? So you're trading maybe some increased labor cost on going out and and sourcing the nutrients ourselves compared to like just going to the store and and buying something that somebody else made in a bottle. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. It's not like there's no cost associated. There's no material cost, but there is a labor cost for sure. Wait, wait a second. I thought that's where the farm stake came in. Don't you have the guests doing that for you? I got to make that work out right. That, that's the next step. Sounds like you guys got a great trim camp. You really need to be hustling a guest during October, huh? <laughs> right. 
Yes, come come pay to trim our weed. That sounds like a great plan. I got to get to work on that. You would be the first person to try to implement that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Well, we'll, we'll outdo everyone else's attempt with the nicer food and the better state place to stay. You know, not too many places have can of tourism. And that, that's what we're talking about here. And this is so akin to, I mean, wine tourism or fishing tourism. Like this, this is like a, a brand new thing. And how, is, how has it been perceived? Well, you know, it's been a little bit of a challenge just working out all the legalities of doing it, you know, obviously, because because cannabis is so highly regulated that it, it, you know, that's been a little, that's, I would say, been the most challenging part is just trying to figure out and make sure I'm not breaking any rules. And, you know, one thing that, I, I mean, the people who have found it and have come out, we've sort of kept it a little just word of mouth um, so far, but the people who have come out have all had a great experience. And I think that, especially in Trinity County and in Humboldt, like it's a huge thing. If we can make it so that it's easy for farms to do this and to show it, there's a huge demand for people who want to come and have this experience. It's like legendary, this area. There's lots of people that want to come have the experience. So it's been really well received by the people who have come so far. We're just trying to make it better all the time. And someday too, what we hope is like, just like wine, it would be amazing if we can get to the point with the state laws and the local laws that I could actually allow people to purchase cannabis at the farm when they come, you know, be able to buy our flower on our farm. So far, that's not allowed, but I really do hope that one of these days soon, the the various involved agencies do allow us to do that just like you can at a winery and do tastings and do that whole thing because that would be amazing. Absolutely, man. They'll treat us like adults one day. Someday. (laughs) Maybe. We sure hope so. We know it's come a long ways. It's amazing. You know, Humboldt and Trinity County have such longstanding history, but there's just always been this fight against cannabis there. And it just still remains. It's one of the most difficult places to get licensing to this day. They're really missing out on, you know, so much great culture and, you know, this huge brain trust that's there of of people like yourselves that have been living in environment and, you know, sacrificing to grow cannabis and cannabis growing them in return. It's just an untapped resource and they just haven't used it well enough. That's for sure. Especially in Trinity where, you know, there was logging and mining and that's kind of what everything was built upon, but that's been gone for decades now. And there's not a lot else going on in Trinity. And I do think it's changing. You know, we were able just recently, the Trinity County Agriculture Alliance, of which we are members, which is a group of licensed cultivators in Trinity. And we actually proposed our own cannabis, commercial cannabis tax measure, like to tax ourselves, because up to that point, Trinity didn't have one. And you know, we all want to see our community services happen, you know, and um, and we were able in five days to collect 10% of the registered voter signatures in the county to get our measure on the ballot. 
and you know who would have thought that that would ever happen in Trinity County, but it just did. So it's it's coming around. Wow. It's happening. You know, we're well, getting more organized, and as people can kind of come out of the closet a little bit, I think that's only just going to increase. Yeah, because people are still scared to talk about cannabis there, even legal cannabis owners. They're scared to talk about cannabis. They're scared to bring it up to their neighbors. It's still taboo in so many communities and so many places. Yeah, it's true. I think that for me, that's been one of the best parts about recreational happening in California is just like, okay, you know what? We're here. We've been here the whole time, but now we're letting you know. So tell me about this tax initiative. Well, so there were, there was a tax measure proposed on the March election by a group of people who really actually just wanted to put all of my perception was that their tax basically was just to put everybody out of business. And so this, the Trinity County Agriculture Alliance came up with one that is much more small farm friendly because in Trinity County, almost everybody has 10,000 square feet or less because of the way that the ordinance was written. There's only a few people who have more than 10,000 square feet. And so basically the, the TCAA came up with this proposal where it's all based on sales, right? So for instance, in Humboldt County, you have this square footage tax where you're charged per square foot, kind of regardless on whether you grow anything or make any money or not, which personally, I don't think is the best way to do it. I think just like other industries, you should be taxed once (laughs) you make money, right? And so luckily, you know, we kind of had time to look at all these other counties and be like, okay, what's good? What's not good? And so this tax, it's like for your first hundred pounds, you're taxed at this rate. And I can't quote you the exact numbers, but you're taxed at a lower rate. So if you're a very small producer, those first hundred pounds you grow is taxed at a low rate. And then it goes up like, okay, and then the next 200, I think, and it goes up from there until like over, I think, a thousand pounds you're paying. I believe it's $15 a pound in cultivation tax to the county, basically. And, you know, there's some other things in there about, you know, different businesses. You know, there is no retail in Trinity County yet at this point. And so they're not, you know, they're missing that. Again, they're not collecting any tax revenue because they're not allowing anybody to sell retail, which hopefully, again, they're going to get that together. But this initiative mostly is for taxation on cultivators um, because, you know, I think that's appropriate. As long as you wait to tax me till I've made some money, I'm very happy to contribute to the county coffers to do road work and, you know, public safety and things like that and schools. And so, you know, we just wanted to show as an industry, like, look, here we are, we want to contribute, but don't try to put us out of business <laughs> because that's not going to be good for the county long-term. Yeah. There's so much green greed. It comes from every place. The counties get it for sure. The state governments get it for sure. Well, I mean, I salute you guys for for working so hard to put it together. Trinity was considered one of the harder places when it all started. I think Humboldt's shown that it's the hardest place right now. I mean, Mendocino might not be so easy either, but it hasn't been any easy anywhere in the triangle. (laughs) You know, I think the triangle has, you know, some like 60 or 80% of the permits. It's, It's a large number. There are like 15, 16,000 people in Humboldt with commercial grows. 
you know, right. before all this was <laughs> happening. And, and to not, say that yeah. you have like, and to say that you have 500 people or 600 people with licensing, man, I just don't think that's a good enough attempt to get people no. out of the, you know, private market industry and get them into tax. Cause literally for Humble is billions of dollars. They would convert all of that private growth. Sorry, guys, you should probably pay some taxes. All my private growth friends that are out there just growing in the hills. I love you guys. You should pay some more taxes. If they would incorporate all those guys into it, it would like really, really change. I mean, my local school, Trinidad Union School District, man, they're failing. They don't have any money. Right. Like COVID's hit them yeah. so hard. Like there's like just so much stuff in, in through Humboldt and Trinity County and educational loan that needs to be worked on. And, and, you know, if they played their cards, right. Like cannabis could totally bring the whole Emerald triangle out of all of their problems. Right. It could help with the fire suppression issues. It could help with all the drug problems. It could help with all the homelessness. It could help with all of the educational stuff. I mean, Oh, it's just, it's just such a wasted resource. It's, it's just kind of frustrating when we see us there. Yeah, I think some of that is, you know, not necessarily seeing the legal market in California. You know, it is a challenge right now to, you know, when you compare, you know, just all the hoops you have to jump through, all the money you have to pay. And yet, you know, I personally think because the state especially is taxing the end product so hard, you know, that you just have this huge black market that's still going. And, you know, it's hard to not look at that and be like, wow, that was so much easier back in the day. (laughs) But again, now it's all changing and it's the time to like get together and move forward into the light. No, it's the responsible thing to do. And I mean, I don't know about Trinity County, but Humboldt County, you know, per capita always had more people contributing to, you know, fundraising than any place else, you know, and, and, you know, that was because all the cash dollars from the fishing, the logging and the cannabis. And now the fishing and the logging, uh, like next to nothing compared what it used to be. And it's just cannabis. Just open up their arms. Just embrace it. Relax a bit. Yes, relax. Relax a bit. I know you have such a special place and inviting people out there. Tell me about some of the people that have come and and visited you. So last year, we mostly focused on some different folks who either own or manage or the buyers for various retail shops in California. Again, because, you know, there's no better way for someone to learn, you know, where this particular brand, our soul spirit brand of flower comes from. And, you know, a lot of them had never been to the Emerald Triangle. So last year, it was a lot of retailers and You know, most of them were so stressed out when they arrived because they're jumping through their own set of hoops. And, you know, that job, I can't even imagine trying to pull that off. And so it was just super relaxing and rejuvenating for them. And most of them, you could just like see their faces change by the third day where they were just like, oh, okay, we've let go of the, the stress we're here, you know, and, and also, you know, getting to see the way that, that we farm, I think really opened their eyes to like, you know, it's not all the same. So like indoor has its thing, 
And then, you know, people with like really large grows who are, you know, maybe putting out more mid quality stuff, but in volume, that's a whole different thing. And then our particular craft regenerative way of doing it, it's like you're actually talking kind of about different products, right? And so I think it was great for them to be able to see like, oh yeah, the next time somebody comes in and tries to sell me an eighth of regenerative craft cannabis, I'm not going to compare it to this $8 eighth on a, in a Mylar bag that came from a 12 acre scene in Salinas or something, you know? So that I think is like an education piece that's super important to us. And so there was that. And like that really, I think, changed a lot of their perspectives. And then this year we've had more just regular folks, you know, it's been interesting with COVID to kind of work that all out. And so we had a bit of a slow start, just making sure that we could keep everybody safe. And um, now I feel like we've got that down and it's been, I feel like even more rewarding because we've had several people from the Bay Area come up and, you know, some of them have been stuck in their apartment for months. So to be able to come out and of course, you know, the beautiful cannabis medicine also helps with their mindset. And, you know, just, we had a couple of people come out where they sort of like changed their whole life trajectory over the weekend, you know, because they were able to just kind of step out of their normal life and gain some perspective Uh on what they were doing, which of course the cannabis is also really helpful for. Uh, Yeah. The hills uh, of Humboldt County and Trinity County have a way of doing that. It's really great. We've had all kinds of different people. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you get used to where you live and you kind of stop seeing it, I think, sometimes. And uh, being able to have all these different people come and see it from their perspective and out of their eyes, it really refreshes our love of the place as well. Oh, man. You know, that's the thing that people don't understand or know about that area in Northern California is it has the least light pollution, I'm pretty sure, of any place else in the U.S., right? Maybe it was the continental U.S. I mean, it is. You get to see the sky. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's been great chatting with you guys. If people want to to come to Soul Spirit Retreats, how, how do they get in touch with you guys? Can they follow you on Instagram or, or how, do, how does it work? Well, they can follow us on Instagram. We have two different Instagrams. So one for the farm and one for the the farm stay. And they're Soul Spirit Farm, S-O-L, like the sun, Soul Spirit Farm and Soul Spirit Retreats. And then our websites are the same, soulspiritfarm.com and soulspiritretreats.com. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for joining me. And uh, man, smell some of that good Trinity County air for me. Oh, God, I wish I was there right now with you. 